The state is a machine against experts and efficiency. Anarchists are trying to create a culture that allows more and more people to break free from the reign of the dinosaurs. At present, our agitation and propaganda are often just sparks to inflame the heart, not actual flames of revolution. This has provoked both impatience and cynicism in some, but anarchists should be confident. We are creating a revolution in which we don't just control a means of production, but one where we actually control our own lives. There is no science of change. Revolution is not scientific. Activists should not be specialists in social change any more than artists should be experts in self-expression. The great lie of all experts is their claim to have access to the exclusive, the untouchable, even the unimaginable. The experts of revolution, unloved and untenured, demand many things besides your allegiance. Above all, they demand efficiency, a place in the well-oiled machine. In a place of backyard gardens and public transportation, efficiency has created genetically engineered food and highways with 16 lanes. Efficiency demands the illusion of progress, no matter how meaningless. Our rejection of efficiency has led to many amazing projects. Food Not Bombs may not be the most efficient way to deliver food to those who are hungry, but they are often more effective in their aims and more meaningful than any, any government program, religious handout, or efficient corporation. McDonald's promises us a quick, efficient version of the dining experience. Isn't that the exact opposite of what we want our world to look like? If efficiency drives many campaigns and projects, too many activists have made themselves into characters as unbelievable and shallow as those in television commercials. Their quest for efficient, marketable issues has brought them into a competition with businesses, governments, and other activists for the imagination of the public. Like mass, efficiency is a key deity in the pantheon of dinosaur thought. There is nothing wrong with the desire to get things done. Some necessary projects never hover far from judgery and are best finished as quickly as possible. Yet our personal relationships and shared desires for change are not things to be hurried through, pre-recorded and made for television. The hedge bet of the efficient activist is that since freedom is never lived but only discussed, all change must be pre-planned and tedious. These experts include the bureaucrats shaking in their lopers at the thought of a folk revolt without the party's permission or guidance. Such people have dragged their heels through revolutionary history. Today, they are the ones that fear the chaos of a demonstration or talk about class struggle without reference to what is revolutionary about the refusal of constraints in daily life. Yes, they are precisely the ones with corpses in their mouths. They shiver at the thought that ideas or the people who hold them might get out of hand. For the self-proclaimed experts in social change, the most efficient demonstration is one with a single clear message, clear audience, and pre-planned script, preferably a script written by them. Will we ape these political machines? Will we ache to be state-like? The leftist version of the machine will once again grind down differences to create a final product, the end of history utopia, the revolution. 
the machines consume our vitality and contribute to a burnout so widespread in our communities. A mass mailing might be more efficient than talking to strangers or setting up a lemonade stand in the park, but it isn't necessarily more effective. There is somewhere to, something to be said for taking the long route from here to there. Any time we leave our problems to be fixed by experts, we cede a little more of our autonomy. The judges, the professors, the scientists, the politicians, the pigs, the bankers, these are the engines of efficiency. The tools can never transform our relationships or our society. They only calcify and harden the fucked up ones we already have. In their world, there will always be consumers and consumed, prisoners and captors, debtors and shareholders. The small dinosaurs who challenge the larger ones who want to change the world, but they'll do so according to a master plan written not by you or me, but by armchair experts. The end I've done of the dinosaurs is just the beginning. There is a way out. The exit door out of the consumer death trap, capitalist claptrap, government mousetrap won't be found by running away to that mythical somewhere else, whether it's the commune, the woods, or your parents' basement. We have to confront and start changing the current mess. This requires us not to act as a mass of isolated consumers following established ideologies, but as individuals creating our own futures. The old mythologies had the revolution, democracy, utopia. To some extent, all of these have rung false. In the creation of something new and meaningful, we just have each other. Our communities of resistance are scattered across the North America and the world, sometimes young and furious, sometimes mature and experienced, but always ready for love or war. These interactions are the stirrings of something beautiful. Anarchists have big hearts and big dreams. We are not the first to have these thoughts. No, we have ancestors. Instead of worship or ignorance of the past, we must make our own tools, our own stories, and our own legends. Anarchy is the name we have given to the arrow aimed at the heart of every dinosaur. It is not a religion. It is not merely an ideology or a brand of politics. It is a living, evolving ecology of resistance. It is simply a promise we have made to ourselves. In the following, you will find one collective's attempt at describing folk approaches to anarchy today. There are undoubtedly many more versions, but, there are connected, but they are connected by a web of actions. We will fight, we will create, we will love, and we will evolve. Anarchy isn't somewhere else, some other time. It's the most meaningful path between ourselves and freedom. The next train. They're lazy. They're dirty. They steal and they're parasites sucking up our resources. We've all seen them. We all have an opinion about them. And most of us have let them sleep on our couches. We know all about travelers. These are some common complaints anarchists settled in love for their traveling brethren. When we look at these complaints, they unfortunately echo complaints from other places peoples. These are the same slurs and stereotypes that Eastern Europeans have against gypsies, 
suburbanites have against inner-city residents, unionists have Mexican migrant workers and other immigrants, or that Germans have against Turkish guest workers. Throughout recorded history, there has been an antagonism between settled peoples and their nomadic neighbors. Part of this clash undoubtedly comes from the belief that when resources are scarce, rootless nomads will steal what settled peoples have worked for. Some argue that this tension stems from a jealousy that settled people have for people who appear to have more freedom and less constraints. Regardless of the roots of this conflict, the end result is the same, mistrust and hostility. Unfortunately, many anarchists have fallen into the same trap of stereotyping and vilifying traveling folks. Yet anarchists have always traveled. Whether it was Bakunin, perhaps the original traveling kid, organizing the first black international, or Emma Goldman barnstorming across the U.S. Anarchists have long taken our ideas and projects on the road. Today, we continue to take our projects and politics with us wherever and however we go, hopping trains in small groups, on bicycle extravaganzas, in cramped vans full of band equipment, on standby flights, through book tours and soccer mom vans, or by simply sticking out our thumbs. There are several reasons to travel that exist outside of a purely hedonistic individual realm. Travel has political and cultural potential that can strengthen our communities, cross-pollinate ideas, and provide mutual aid. Spreading means Face-to-face contact is more meaningful than communication through telephone, television, the internet, magazines, or books like this one. There's something amazing about meeting a person from another community and realize you happen to share similar passions and projects. Travel brings us together. Now that anarchy is no longer solely the domain of dull book fairs and college campuses, a dedicated segment of our communities has been spreading anarchist ideas across the country and world. These ideas, sometimes called memes, mutate and change, popping up in unexpected places and contexts. Reclaim the Streets, RTS, was originally a product of anti-road protests in Britain that were attempting to save the countryside, including the battles for Twyford Down. As more and more urban activists got involved, the scope of the protests slowly transformed from being against particular roads to being against automobile culture culture in general. Tripods and other tactics that have been effective at stopping the construction of roads were deployed to block already existing highways in the middle of London. What started as standard protests became something special. Impromptu street parties, complete with music, puppets, and direct actions, spread across England within a year, and in two years, the idea spread all the way to Finland. Within four years, the original RTS had transformed into a global day of action, Did you take the streets on December 30th, 1999? It was a global day of action, too. With over 10,000 people in Nigeria's oil capital of Port Harcourt taking to the streets, singing, dancing, and bringing to a halt the offices of the murdered oil conglomerate, Shell, mutating as as it crossed the Atlantic to the United States, the RTS phenomenon has spread from the highways of London to subway stations in New York and the suburbs of Naperville, Illinois. 
a substantial part of this phenomenon was transmitted by people sharing their experiences and others with others through their travels. The meme of RTS transcended international contexts, meaningful for people all across the world. Travel opens up the possibility of not only learning about people, projects, and resistances in a particular geographical community, but allows travelers to actively be involved in their community, in that community. One of the first things that travelers can offer their hosts is to do household chores, like cleaning the dishes, but they can do much more. With her, the traveler brings knowledge, passion, and skills a whole lifetime of experiences and accounts from other places. Without jobs and other traditional time constraints, travelers can be the cultural and political reinforcements for the guerrilla war which we are currently engaged in North America. Instead of being a passive recipient of information, cultural meaning face-to-face makes us active partners in a cultural dialogue. This is the basic premise of conferences, convergences, and encuentros. Successful events like Louisville's Permanent Autonomous Zone, PAZ, conference brought together people from all across the country and abroad to share ideas, give trainings and workshops, trade patches and stencils, make contacts, and yes, even have a good time. In these exchanges, diversity is important, not only for the the racial or ethnic varieties, but also geographic. Anarchists in Arkansas have their own version of anarchy, which has something in common with anarchy in Maine. To various degrees, they, ought, they might have something to do with Bolivian or Korean anarchy. All these geographic communities adapt anarchist practices to their own local environment. While similarities are certainly important, the differences are where the most interesting projects spring from. Local variation is what keeps culture alive and immediate, so that a single vision doesn't crowd out innovations. Like dialects of a single language, the regional variations of anarchy make us more rich and colorful. Instead of a homogenous by-the-book ideology, anarchy has made its home in thousands of communities based on overlapping shared cultures, politics, and practices. These different anarchies don't need to be unified or have a uniform look. When travelers originally from Chicago brings experiences to a temporary tree set encampment in the forests of Cascadia or a squatted squatted farm in Brazil, they spread their own variation of the anarchist meme. Only time will show what happens next. The more, the merrier. Having people come to your town from elsewhere increases morale. When anarchists swarm to a Native American reservation in upstate New York from half a dozen places to protect, help protect Oneida families from being forcibly evicted from their homes, it was possible only because traveling cultures imbued desire to offer mutual aid. The families were surprised yet pleased at receiving help from strangers, while at the same time, the anarchists were glad to become part of the community struggle, even if only temporarily. In this case, the struggle for autonomy would have been impossible without the dedication of the settled members of the community, 
The travelers used their freedom, free time, and flexibility to ensure the struggle was a success. In a rather different locale, the community gardens in the South Bronx, including the beloved Cabo Rojo, were sustained for months by travelers and anarchists from other places who built a micro-community along with their settled comrades on wadded ground. Convergences, demonstrations, and conferences have all provided the opportunities for people from different geographic communities to share and learn from each other. Traveling also has allowed groups in local struggles to expect help from unlikely allies despite geographic isolation. If nationwide or international anarchist culture is ever to be observed, it will likely be in these sort of interactions. Authorities are rightly concerned by our ability to mobilize our fellows from geographic communities on their own. In one particularly infamous Reclaim the Streets (coughs) in Durham, North Carolina, the police sergeant was overheard claiming that the hundreds of anarchists there were from Eugene and San Francisco, even though the protest was made up of mostly locals. The police were rightly shocked by the participants' ability to come together successfully and do whatever they wanted. Their only explanation was somehow that the, quote, Seattle kids had come to menace their precinct. They were completely unaware that they had anarchists living in their own backyard. Part of the success of this particular event was that the local folks were joined by other North Carolina anarchists, college activists, street kids, and some hardy travelers. While few local communities can stage events where they are, where they are not overwhelmed, traveling allows us to mobilize unexpected numbers of folks and keep the authorities off balance. Instead of relying on an undifferentiated mass of people to overwhelm our enemies, we benefit from our differences in individual talents. This is the basic strength of the anti-globalization movement, and the can be useful in a variety of circumstances and struggles. Patience makes the hobo strong. Graffiti in train yard catch spot, Waycross, Georgia. Borders are not only physical, they are mental. As long as we believe that we are citizens of particular countries or limited to any single community, we are losing out. We should all travel, whether it is to cross the country for an IMF demonstration or across the city to meet up with a group we've just begun a new project with. Travel is a real way to connect to other people. Our solidarity shouldn't be limited to people who happen to live in the same neighborhood or city. Friendship is a great medium for passion, better than books, zines, or even the internet. Unfortunately, many in our servants is far away from the schools and projects. Travelers, traveling and travelers, potential catalysts to allow people isolated by the chance of geography to see their projects grow and prosper without having to relocate. If anarchists ever hope to be more than a marginal force in the U.S., we must be able to reach even the loneliest quarters of this huge country. Ironically, instead of, quote, ruining communities, Travelers may be the best chance we have in building stronger local communities of resistance by sharing ideas, resources, and labor from different places. Some naysayers will argue that travel is not radical in and of itself, and this is true. 
a millionaire can jump on an airplane to Barbados and have an entire hotel to himself, just as a crusty in the U.S. can ride trains motivated solely by cheap escapism. The potential of travel lies in its relative freedoms, time to dedicate to projects, the ability to convey materials and information, flexibility in putting energy into new projects, supporting faraway comrades, the list continues on. Travel can also be used to combat isolation and to give us hope in an otherwise unwelcoming world. As any traveler knows, getting somewhere you've never been requires patience and dedication. Let our collective roads all lead to anarchy.